Greetings, my Revolution Live friends. You're most welcome to be here with us in the connected way. I know we're not physically in person, but of course, everybody's busy these days. This is a busy afternoon. I know the World Cup's on, so we've scheduled this in between the matches. Don't you think that was a nice thing for us to do, Yella? How are you, Yella? I'm glad you've not been watching the football and you've, you've joined me live on schedule. Um, yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic, Roger. Thanks, thanks for having me on the show. I'm super excited to well, to be here. Well, I'm super excited to have you as well. I love your name, by the way. I love people that have interesting names. So, Yella Fandonik, what a great name. Roger Atkins, boring name. So, congratulations on that for a start. But I've been reading up about you, um, reading up about what you do and what your team does. You've shipped what is it over? Um, uh, embedded software products to more than a hundred thousand end users, and you work with Formula One teams. Uh, you've been busy for I think eight years, nearly ten years, or something like that um, in automotive. So you know you've been around. You know a bit of stuff. How tough is it working for uh, for F1 people? Yellow, that must be. That's not easy, is it? It's very, very tough, very competitive. Uh, you know, you cannot get anything wrong. That's for sure. But it's also very exciting, you know, fast changing technology, uh, really a very exciting environment to be in and a great preparation to then later be in EV charging, which is what I am now, of course. Well, perfect. And indeed, we're going to be talking about EV charging, smart charging, um, in, with a particular focus and hopefully some help for uh, resellers. So yes, we're live here. Uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, um, then you're welcome to. It would have been nice for you to join us, but we understand people are busy. So we're going to be spending just about an hour, a bit less than that now. We're going to have audience participation. We like to bring the audience on, so be ready for that, Yellow. We might get some very interesting questions um, out of the blue. Uh, hopefully we do. That's the whole idea of it. Uh, so we can look forward to that. Um, and we're going to really be just getting into this whole arena of smart charging. Where is it? Where is it going? I'm personally very interested in this um, for a specific reason, which we'll probably come to in a bit. But what I'd like to just kick off first, every time we do this, Yellow, you might be aware we, we run a poll via LinkedIn. We ask people a question, give them a few choices as to answers and see what it's, see what they say. So we ask this question, how confident are you in explaining what EV charging is to your customers? So there's good news. 76%, so just over three quarters of people said they were confident. Now, that being said, not very confident, not confident at all or unsure was a quarter of the people that we polled. So, you know, that's a good number, whether it was, you know, I think it was about 175 people or a couple of hundred or something. Um, but there's still a lot of people there that aren't quite sure. So hopefully who we've got joining us, so I'm just going to read through a few where a few people are from. Luke's from Belgium, Ricardo's from Mexico, Alexandru's from Moldova. Uh, we've got Bob from North Carolina. We've got Rui from Portugal, Ariana from Italy, Gerard from Ireland. So there you go. This is re this is really Revolution Live International, and um, that's always good to see. But let's can I start with a simple question? But but just as a kind of teaser question as for what we go through and maybe come to the answer at the end. Um, you know, I suppose it's really what do most people what do people mostly get wrong? about smart charging um you'll have seen a lot of that so I'm, I'm sure you have an answer but don't give it to me yet Let, let's let's go through some of the questions first uh Yella, and then um see what we come up with and by the way i am saying it right aren't i it, it, it is yellow not Je not jella yeah yellow that's perfect good okay right excellent well one of the things i always do before we have this is i'm sure you you would expect me to is do a bit of homework, do a bit of research. One of the things that I found particularly useful was the global EV outlook that the IEA produced because there was a lot in there about where we are now with, with electric vehicles. And, and as, as I'm sure you'll know, um, you know, the electric vehicle market now is getting really big all around the world. It's exponential growth. If there's one thing that might be holding it back a little bit as we go forward, it will be um, a supply constrained market either in supply-constrained EVs or maybe some of the equipment, charging equipment, perhaps we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, but certainly batteries, um, I think, are front of mind for a lot of people. 
Um, but, you know, uh, th th there's no doubt, and, and well, I'll check you agree to make sure there is no doubt, um, we are now at the dawn of this incredible electric age, this extraordinary shift to electrification from over 100 years of the internal combustion. Would you agree with that? No, definitely, uh, definitely, Roger. I, th I think you said it right. Um, I think this year in Europe, we've seen uh, a little bit of a, a stagnation in, in EV sales, exactly uh, because of what you already mentioned, uh, ongoing supply chain shortages, and of course, the war in Ukraine, I think leading to, yeah, not the best economic outlook, and that has an effect on the sales of EV. But definitely, uh, the sales in North America, and especially in China, have made up for that. And uh, actually, last year in 2021, I think we sold 6.6 .6 million EVs yep. globally. And this year, we expect more than 10 million EVs to be sold. So that is yeah, still, I think, a big, big increase compared to last year. Still, I think that it is that's less than, than 20% of the total vehicle market, total vehicles sold. So yep. I think we have a we have a long way to go uh, to make sure that the complete uh, fleet is is electrified. I think uh, this year we also saw that the European Commission announced quite ambitious plans. No more sales of vehicles with combustion engine by 2035, which is already in 13 years from now. So yeah, we have a long way to go. And of course, all those vehicles also need to charge. So we definitely should make sure that we also keep working on the charging infrastructure to make sure that the charging infrastructure does not become the bottleneck uh, in, in, in terms of uh, EV adoption rate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, to exactly that point, what most of the surveys, and we've done lots of things this year here on Revolution Live, looking at the data, looking at the reality of things, uh, the majority of people will charge at home. We know they do. Now, I know there are exceptions to that people that don't have the facility to do that, you know, a drive or adjacent uh, power connection or whatever it is. But given the majority of people who are charging at the moment are doing that at home, would you say is smart charging sort of an additional luxury add-on feature or is it now and going forward a, a must-have, would you say? Well, so it's, it's not strictly a, strictly a must-have to be able to charge your vehicle, but I definitely think that as an industry, it's definitely a must-have because uh, we, we see that we start using more electricity. I think we want to not be dependent on gas from Russia anymore. So we see that overall in the house, we see that people start to cook electric. Heating becomes electric instead of driven by gas. So yeah, we are using a lot more electricity. And then also all these vehicles now become electric, which means we are using even more electricity. And that has a really, really big demand on the electricity grid. And if we're not careful, then the grid cannot handle that. And of course, we can have, we can work on expansion of the grid and we should do that for sure. But we should also make sure that we use the electricity in, in, in a smarter way. And, uh, I think the, the grid is really dimensioned, uh, for the peak load that is needed, uh, in terms of electricity which is typically, you know, when everyone arrives at the end of a working day and you start to, uh, well, basically you first plug in your car, then you start to cook, you turn on the heating, maybe you turn on your washing machine. So then we use a lot of electricity and uh, yeah, we should try to do a better job at balancing our electricity consumption in a, in a smart way. Mm. And if we don't do that, then I think we're going to run into, into serious issues. So yeah. from that point of view, yes, it's, it's definitely a need. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I look, I, I, we can't afford to run into those issues because certainly when we scale up the vehicle adoption, uh, in this way, you know, we have to, we, you people in the industry have to get this right in advance. We can't, we can't, we can't be playing catch up. Um, can I, can I go to first base and forgive me for being quite simplistic, but, um, I'm that sort of person. <laughs> I need to understand it at a simple level. Um, and sort of without getting too technical, how would you define smart charging? I mean, what is smart charging? So I think smart charging is sort of an umbrella term for many different features, which all aim to influence the energy consumption of the vehicle. So instead of just charging as fast as possible, we basically adapt the charging rate based on different factors. So that can be uh, sustainability, it can be cost, it can be dividing the energy over the vehicles that are there, dividing the energy with other appliances in the house, 
All of that is sort of smart charging is an umbrella term for all of those features that right. aim to divide the electricity in the smartest way right. over different vehicles. And 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 given we're all moving, you know, at a, an accelerated pace, this whole technology and innovation in around EVs. If I kind of asked you to say on a scale of one to ten, you know, ten being super duper smart charging, all the things you described where, you know, new technologies, new innovations, new sorts of things are coming. So like 10 is the best it's ever going to get. Where are we on that scale of one to 10 at the moment? Is it, Are we just at one or two? Where, where, where do you think we are? Oof, that is, uh, that's a difficult question to answer. Um, <laughs> I, I would definitely say we are on the road to, uh, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to say when you are at 100%. But yeah, I definitely think we are making progress. Maybe three or four, but we're, we're not, yeah, we're definitely not there yet. We're definitely not mm. where we need to be uh, in the end. Mm. And talking of difficult questions, I would like to, <clears throat> excuse me, remind our audience that we warmly welcome your questions. So you are here live with us. It's not pre-recorded and we will endeavor to, to get your question asked to test Yella out in that regard. Uh, maybe bring you on stage if you're inclined to do that. So please have your questions in mind, get them ready and pop them up there for us to see. We'll do that in about 10 minutes or so. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of a warm up before all of that happened, Yella. <laughs> um, um, coming back to this thing of charging at home then, what, what would you say are the benefits for EV drivers to charge at home? I mean, there are some obvious ones, of course, but how would you, what would you list them as in terms of uh, why it's helpful, beneficial, etc., to charge at home? So I think one of the main things that people don't always realize, eh, there's, there's always the range anxiety when you speak about electric driving, EV mobility. I think people are afraid that they will not find a charger in time or that they cannot reach their destination. But actually what we see is that uh, I think 10 years ago, the batteries of electric vehicles were pretty small, maybe 25 kilowatts. And, you know, you, your, your range was less than 200 kilometers which was already enough, I think, for most people for daily use. Yeah. But now we see, you know, many more vehicles entering the market. Uh, a typical battery pack is more than 60 kilowatts and you can reach, you know, 300, maybe even up to 600 kilometers of range. So you don't need to have range anxiety, but the big benefit is that also you don't need to visit a petrol station ever anymore because as soon as you come home, you just plug in your vehicle and you start to charge and the next morning your vehicle is charged and you can just drive to where you need to be again. Mm. No, no, I think uh, that's a go on. Well, I think that's a big benefit and you know, it, it is not difficult. It's very easy to use charging stations. Yes, you need to get used to it, but once you're used to it, I think it's, it's very easy to use. And we also see from the results of the, um, mobility monitor that can be found on the EVbox website. I think we see that, you know, drivers find that really important that the charging station is easy to use and that the energy is efficient in a smart way or in a yeah, yes. good way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, recently I was with somebody that got a petrol car and they had to go and fill up with petrol. I haven't, I haven't been and done that for a very long time. I was surprised how long it took because the actual process of filling up the car, that's not too bad. That, that, I don't know how long that would have taken them and I think they were pretty empty. Um, so it would have been like filling it up. I don't know what, it was like five minutes or something, something like that, maybe a little bit less. Anyway, the bit that seemed to take the longest time was because I went in with them, went into the place, it's got a shop now and coffee thing and all the rest of that. So after time, you're stood in the queue with people in front getting their shopping, people waiting to get a coffee made. And I think all told, it must have been anything between 10 and 15 minutes. So given the charge speed that a lot of public charging is getting up to now, you know, 150 plus, etc. Um, it seems to me that that often you can go and, you know, maybe not fill up, but, you know, certainly get 100 miles or more in just a quicker time or even quicker than going and filling up with petrol or diesel. W would you agree with that? Or is that not a representative example? Because that's one experience I've recently had. No, definitely. I, I think we see, uh, yeah, we see more and more fast chargers coming to market. 
which means that uh, even if you don't charge at home and you, you have to charge somewhere by the highway when you go on holiday or whatever, yeah, you can, you can actually charge your car up to 80% now, I think in typically 15 to 20 minutes. Yes. Which is yes, taking a little bit longer than filling up your car with petrol. But I think that's still very fast. And don't forget that, uh, of course, when you depend on petrol, you really depend on this external source that you cannot rely on yourself. Whereas if you have a home with solar panels, for example, you can actually charge with the electricity from your solar panels, which means that if the prices go up of petrol or electricity, uh, it, it doesn't matter because you actually can use your sort of self-generated electricity. Yeah, yeah. Um Now, one of the things that is the ambition of uh, Revolution Live, of course, is to educate, you know, inform people, bring on expertise, bring on people who've done this for, for some time. We talked about you know, what you've been doing, your team's been doing for a while. Could you give us a little example of how, you know, in, in terms of resellers, uh, a sort of case study, as it were, h- how do people, you know, communicate what the solutions are? What, what What's the best way to do that? Because there's a lot of jargon in all of this. There's a lot of Okay, sometimes very basic jargon, AC, DC, for example, and then you get into different charging protocols. For a lot of new people to electric vehicles, they don't know what people are talking about. So can you give us a little illustration, perhaps, of someone you've worked with, a reseller, has has sort of brought all of that on board? I think you you bring up a good point there, Roger. Um, Indeed, I think it's a difficult world to get into. It's not that complicated. I think what makes it very difficult at the moment is that uh, if, if you have a feature like cruise control, then every car manufacturer calls that cruise control. And by now, I think most people know what cruise control is. Yeah. If you buy a secondhand car on a website, you can filter on cars that have cruise control functionality. But if we speak about EV charging and especially about smart charging features, I think many manufacturers use different marketing terms for exactly the same functionality. So, for example, uh, solar charging, I think it's also called PV optimized charging or eco smart <laughs> mode or green energy charging. You know, I've, I've seen many different marketing terms out there and I think That makes it complicated. On top of that, we see different regulations for different countries. So that means that manufacturers also have to adapt their products and bring out different products for different countries, for different markets. And I think that makes it very complicated. So what we try to do is provide uh, training material for resellers, either to educate them so they can inform their customers or uh, provide them with training materials so they can actually train customers themselves with that. Mm. Uh, right. Well, given given what you've just described there so, so very nicely, different names for you know solar charging, for example, um, do you think the industry needs to get to a point where we have some nice definitions? You know, you mentioned about cruise control there. Um, because otherwise, it's, it, it's, you know, the more people that are coming to it, the more there'll be more more and more confused people around the place. So is there um, an industry forum or or where would you imagine the best place is going to be to sort of try and align some of these things and get a little bit more consistency in some of the terms of reference? Is that, that, you know, is anything that you're doing or maybe you're seeing other people do that's working towards that, you know, set of proper definitions? Yeah, so what we try to do is we try to work with governments, trying to speak to them because they also need to be educated, right? Uh, about the different things that they decide on and, and how it makes the life of the manufacturers difficult, I think. We try to work together as an industry and also cross industry uh, because EV charging is, is very different compared to heating or solar panels or uh, ventilation systems. But in the end, I think uh, we want to come to a sort of form of standardization of these type of protocols to communicate between all the different actors in the ecosystem Mm. and yeah, make sure that we all speak the same language. Mm. And if we do that as device manufacturers and as governments, then I think people will understand that. And and, yeah, they will also sort of adopt to that one language that we have. Yeah, Mm. That would be a smart thing to do. Do you see what I did there? Smart thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) um on that point of smart i've just seen a great question from uh, ad berlins i love this question um get ready for it will online calendars also be integrated into smart charging 
so that appointments are also included in the charging schedule? What a really good question. I love that. What what about that then? Because obviously the real world is people are coming and going. You know, you can't just say that's where I am for the next three hours or whatever. You know, so great question that Ad. Please, everyone else, feel free to ask your questions because, you know, there's no such thing as a bad question. That's a particularly good one. Um, what would you say to Ad? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. Uh, thanks for that. And indeed, I think that calendars will be integrated into uh, into smart charging systems because it's, it's very relevant to know when the vehicle needs to leave again and preferably also where it needs to drive because then you know the amount of energy that is actually needed to get there at a certain time. And that determines the flexibility that you have for you know changing the charging schedule and dividing the charging uh, power in in a smart way to optimize the cost or maybe uh, another vehicle needs to leave first and that one needs to be prioritized so yeah i I definitely think that we will see uh, integrations with with calendars like that yeah Mm -hmm. well well, i think that's really good because a bit like you've mentioned earlier on the grid you know the challenge of the grid isn't necessarily that we don't have enough energy it's just we don't have it at the right time or the use, you know, we have to build grids to take um, the capacity that's re- required for maybe three peak days out of the 365 in the entire year. And then all the other days, there's these variables within them. Um, so I think there is a golden opportunity here. I really do, and I, I've believed this for some time, that the battery, which for quite a period was seen as, if you like, a liability this big expensive thing that takes all these minerals to make and so on and so on and so forth becomes this amazing um, asset rather than a liability. It then literally plugs into and integrates with the grid and helps, you know, countries, continents run a 24-7-365 energy management system. Um, Am I being too kind of idealistic, imagining that's kind of where we're going to go with all of this with smart charging. No, I don't think that's. Uh, I, I actually think that's a very realistic scenario, and we're working very hard to uh, to get there. Yeah, you should imagine every vehicle as sort of a battery on wheels, as we like to call it. Yes, and indeed, yeah, you can you can use this energy also potentially in the future to power your house or to optimize the use of your solar panels by storing the energy and using it at a later time. That is definitely going to be possible in the future, yeah. Yes. We've got plenty more people joining, by the way. So we've got people from the UK. I'm pleased about that. I'm in the UK. Bulgaria. Uh, We've got, as I mentioned, Mexico. So we're going to come to a few questions in a moment. I've just got a few more that I I made notes of. Now, everybody knows, probably everybody on this call knows, EV charging is, you know, very energy intensive. Can you give us a little flavour? How much electricity does an average home charger use? Have you got any numbers for that? Yeah, so I think most people at home use AC charging, which is not like the DC fast chargers that you find by the highway. And these AC chargers typically have 11 or 22 kilowatts of charging power available. And just to sort of give a ballpark figure of how much that is, how much power uh, your washing machine uses probably around two kilowatts. Your water cooker uses around two kilowatts. Maybe if you cook electric, that's a little bit more, maybe up to five kilowatts. So it's, yeah, definitely if you charge your car fast at 22 kilowatts, then that's the same as putting in multiple appliances at your house on at the same time. And still you will probably not reach the 22 kilowatts. I think typically what they say is as soon as you buy an electric vehicle and you start charging at home, your energy consumption will double. And yeah, that's of course a very rough estimate because it completely depends on how much you drive. But I think for an average person, that's a good uh, rule of thumb to know how much energy you're using. Hmm. Well, on this subject then, you mentioned it earlier, but I'd like to come back to it. You mentioned dynamic load balancing. Was was that the phrase? Was that the term? Correct. Yeah. Dynamic load balancing. Yes, I made a note of that. So what is that then? How, how does that work in what you've just described? You've got your washing machine going, you've got your microwave cooking your dinner, you know, you've now plugged in your EV. What 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 is dynamic load balancing, please? 
Dynamic load balancing means that you install a charging station at your home. Mm -hmm. And if you charge your car with the charging station and you also have other appliances in the house that use energy, that the charging station adapts the charge rate of the vehicle, uh, how much power is being used. It um, adapts that in real time to the use of other appliances in the house to make sure that you don't trip the fuse at your grid connection point. So that basically means that if a lot of electricity is available because your car is the only device in the house that requests energy, then that's totally fine. And then all that electricity goes towards the car. But if other appliances in the house also require energy, then they will be prioritized and the car will automatically adjust to make sure that you don't use too much. That's basically how it works. Mm. Well, good, good. That sounds like a great system. Um, but one thing I'm intrigued about now, so people, some people, a lot of people have got solar panels on the roof. People then get an electric vehicle on their drive. And the people with the solar panels on the roof, I imagine most of them have a battery to store the energy when they're not using it, rather than just using whatever's available and the rest just goes straight back into the grid. So what I'm fascinated by is with the increased growth of increased sales of, of EVs, will people just use the battery in the car to store maybe energy off the roof or even take cheap energy at night and then put it back into the house when it's expensive? You know, how quickly and how realistic is it that we can, we will soon see that electric vehicle as a smart asset using smart charging to, to, to shift this energy backwards and forwards? Is that, is that already with us or have we got to wait another year or two years or whatever, Yella? Um, so I think more and more uh, manufacturers of electric vehicles are starting to advertise this, what you call bi-directional charging, yes. or vehicle-to-home and vehicle-to-grid technology. Um, I do think it's not really available at a wide scale yet. So many vehicles that we see on the road nowadays might be hardware ready for it, but the software has, still has to be updated and the charging stations have to be made compatible to make sure that yeah, the energy flow can actually be bi-directional. But I definitely think it's coming. We see some pilot projects. I think there was a project in the UK recently with Hyundai uh, called the, the Hyundai Hotel, where actually the EV can power your hotel room. Wow. Which is a really, really interesting uh, use case, I think. Yeah, and, and, and really cool that they... Uh, I'm, I'm going to make a note of... I'm going to make a note of that. I like the sound of that. What was it called? Hyundai Hotel? Hyundai Hotel, yeah. I don't know. how. And was that recently? I can't believe I've missed that. That sounds really exciting. Um, and another point, actually, you just said something there, and I'm listening very intently. You just said, you know, hardware configured, but not maybe software connected. So I'm not expecting you to know the answer to this, but but I'm getting an ID buzz in just a few weeks, actually, ah. which has got bi-directional charging. Now, perhaps that it has, it's equipped to do that, but it's not yet software enabled. I, I'm going to have to check that out. I'm not expecting you to know because uh, you're, you're not Mr. Volkswagen, but but that's going to be interesting. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the main vehicles that I know of that support it at the moment, I think, is the Nissan Leaf and the electric Ford F-150 in North America. And I think this use case of vehicle to home is being marketed a lot in the US, in North America, where you see more power outages, which is actually a very realistic scenario there. I think in Europe, we have a more stable electricity grid and we uh, we don't really consider that an issue. So I do think we will see the first adoption of vehicle to home and vehicle to grid maybe in, in North America rather than here in Europe. Right. Um, I'm going to go to a few questions um, from the audience. What do you think is the best smart charging feature? Um, well, obviously, currently available, I imagine Marnik is asking. Uh, they're probably watching the football at the same time as they're doing this. That's why they don't want to come on stage. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what's the best one? If you had to pick just one, what would it be, Yellow? Yeah, again, I think that's, that's such a difficult question to answer. It is, isn't it? Because, uh... Sorry, it is, yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's the same as asking what is, what is the best restaurant or what is your favorite <laughs> movie of all time? Yeah. Know? All right. Fair enough. There, there's, fair enough. there's just so many, but yeah, I mean, it, I do think that in my opinion, 
One that I really like is the solar charging or PV optimized charging, where, you know, you really make sure that you charge your car only with the electricity coming from your solar panels. And I think, yeah, this obviously has great benefits. You, you don't depend on the grid. The electricity prices are going up, which means that you can save a lot of cost. It's very good for the environment. So definitely solar charging is, is one of my uh, personal favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, let me see if we can get Arthur on the stage and we'll come back to a few more. Now, let's see if I can invite Arthur onto the stage to ask his question in person. Arthur is in Belgium, by the way, Yella. Yep, so I think they're just about to join us. This is my favourite part, you know, of doing this. Apart from speaking to someone clever like you, it's bringing into the conversation uh, somebody live who wants to, to find out what's what. So, Arthur, I can see you've joined us there. I don't know if your camera can be enabled. Don't worry if it, if it can't, but we know you're there. So feel free to fire away and ask your question to Yella, please. My microphone work? Yeah, microphone's working perfectly well, Arthur. Wonderful. Unfortunately, thank you. I can't turn on my camera, but uh, thank you very much for inviting me on stage. Essentially, my question, to get straight to the point, um, I'm here in Finland visiting a, a fast-charging producer. I mean, a fast-charging station producer. And their experience was the fact that your reliance on the installation of a lot of smaller, slow chargers in city centers, but also countryside and so on, through the years and in the future, all this will disappear uh, in favor of actually the installation of a smaller number, which much higher performance chargers. Um, as the batteries of the cars will evolve and be able to accept these faster streams of energy, people won't have to rely on slow charging quite as much anymore. But will be able to essentially go to your local McDonald's, hook up on a 200 or 300 kilowatt charger, fill your car up the time it takes you to eat your burger, and then you can go back home or to work or wherever. Hmm. So my question is, how do you exactly see that? Do you see maybe a kind of you know, coexistence between fast charging or slow charging, or maybe just a shift in the future towards purely fast charging? Thank you very much. Thank you, Arthur. That's a very good question. It is, isn't yeah, it? Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, great. stay there. That's a great question. <laughs> so um, I think we will see both, but in different use cases. So I definitely think that there will be more fast chargers because uh, people going on holiday, for example, you do want to charge up fast and then continue your way. And also uh, there are many people living in apartment buildings where you can simply not have a charger available for every car, I think. So those people might depend more on fast charging by the highway or somewhere indeed near McDonald's or city center. I do think there's also uh, still a good use case for the slower type AC chargers, especially for home use where your car is plugged in overnight anyway, which is a really long time. And, and I think definitely for that, we will remain with these slow chargers. And an interesting one, I think, is, is workplace charging where you drive to work, you plug in your car at eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning when you arrive. And uh, yeah, when you want to leave by the end of the day after working for eight hours, then you want your car to be full. And I think eight hours is actually pretty long to charge, I don't know, maybe 50 or 100 kilometers of range. So I think also for that use case, we will still see the slower type chargers there. Hmm. So hmm. depending on location, we will see what kind of charger gets installed, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thank you very great. much for uh, answering. Yeah, Arthur, great. It, it's a, it is a great question. And I think it illustrates the fact that we are coming into a very different proposition of how we fuel mobility. You know, we've had this binary system before where you have to go to a petrol station. You have to fill up. That's how it works. We all know how it works. Um, but, but it's much more organic. It's much more complex, this business of charging EVs, whether it's at home or in the public arena. So, no, I think it's a great question. And I think a lot of people are exercised by lots of similar thoughts as to how the hell do we shape all this and, and get it right. Um, so, so great. Thanks, Arthur. I'm going to invite um, another person up. We've got some similar questions around protocols and whatever. So I'm going to invite... Rui onto the stage. So Rui, I hope it didn't make you jump then when I suddenly said that. 
So Rui's got a question. Not sure where Rui is, uh, Yella, by the way, but this is going to be a question about um, charging protocols and all that sort of thing. Um, that starts to get a bit technical for me, if I'm really honest, but but not for you, Yella. You're the expert. So Rui, if you can enable your camera, great. Don't worry if you can't, because we've got you on audio there. Um, oh, Rui's in Portugal, by the way, Yella. So, oh, Rui, how are you? Hi, guys. Nice to see you. So, yeah, please fire away. I didn't ask your question. I thought you'd like to ask it in person. So, fire away. <laughs> so, um, my question and first, thank you all for bringing me on stage and uh, congratulations for this moment because I think it is very important and very actual. And uh, right now, the question it is uh, related to charging protocol of the existing equipment will change in the near future, or the equipment should be obsolete in the near future due to some innovations then, then come up uh, on the near future. Because I have a company with a network of installers and we are installing a lot of equipments in private and companies and so on. And this is a very common question that we receive that uh, if this equipment will be uh, updated on the next five years or four years or whatever, because the investment is very high. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, I think, um... Thanks for the question, indeed. Uh, I think a charging station uses different protocols to communicate with different actors in the ecosystem. So there's communication with the vehicle, there's communication with the smart home, and there's usually communication with a backend service that manages a pool of, of charging stations. And I think for all of those, you have uh, protocols available, and there will be new versions of those protocols. So, for example, communication with the backend is done over the OCPP protocol, typically. I think many backends are still on OCPP 1.6, but are now transitioning to OCPP 2.01. And there will be a new version of that, of course. We see the same bit communication to the vehicle, where I think most cars nowadays still rely on the very basic PWM protocol. But we also know that there is a more advanced communication standard, which is ISO 15.11.8. And actually a new version of that has been released earlier this year which has great support for bi-directional charging. But yeah, now, of course, those vehicles and charging stations will need to be updated. I think hopefully many of them are hardware ready so that they can be updated over the air by software updates because yeah, all of them are more or less connected nowadays. So we can actually update them with new features later over the air. But yeah. I think we uh, definitely have a lot of protocols. I hope we will see some consolidation there as well. So we don't need another protocol. <laughs> so we are we are betting in uh, convincing the customers to install Wallbox with communication. That way we believe that the Wallbox will be able to be updated with new versions and uh, to be uh, to be able to follow the the technology on the cars and on the charging uh, protocols and be up and running more time. So I think that, that should be should be nice. Should be the, the yeah. right way to do it. Yeah, exactly. I think I think both the charging stations and the vehicles nowadays support over the air updates, right? So yeah. R R Rui, can I ask you a question actually? Um what do you see a big difference between um private passenger car adoption and commercial vehicle fleets like taxis and, and buses and trucks and vans? Do you, what's happening in Portugal in, in that sort of arena? So Portugal right now, we are in the fourth place in Europe with uh, more eye charging uh, infrastructure per 100 kilometers in Europe. So we are uh, investing a lot, the government incentives and so on. So we are investing a lot and uh, we have a nice infrastructure of uh, high charging of very fast charging installations. Uh, we, we are assisting in an exponential growth of the uh, vehicle selling on passengers and commercials. We are. It's it's a very fancy trend in the in the in the uh, car industry that uh, fleets are turning electric in a very high speed. Uh, this week, I had uh, uh, furniture delivered by IKEA, and the the the, the truck it was electric. The the the, the light yeah. truck it was electric, and the driver was completely um, in love with the car because he can do his work very easily, very fast and in a very clean way. Uh, so uh, for, for this type, we have a, a lot of Uber, green Uber uh, fleets in Portugal and um, uh, hubs, charging hubs for 
private and for public are booming everywhere. So the people need to charge fast, uh, not completely charged from 20 to 80 percent or something in order to fulfill the rest of the day. Um, but uh, I think we'll be much more in a heavy duty usage. It will be much more related to fast charging ups and uh, places where, where that can happen. Yeah, that, that, that's great to hear. And I, I know that Portugal has been very advanced in um, offshore wind um, and a number of other initiatives. It's not a massive country. And maybe sometimes people only talk about Germany and France and the bigger European countries. But I have to say, hats off to Portugal. I think you've been leading the way with a number of things. Um, so, yeah, good. Rui, thank you so much for your time and your I question. Have you, I have that, solar you, and I charge my car in the, with the sun. It doesn't surprise me. I have you solar. Have a, and and you, have a lot, you, you have a lot to, of solar in yell, Portugal. Yell, uh, challenge. Very yes, good. I have solar and batteries and I charge my car with only with sun. So it's I, I'm with you, Yell. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. Yeah, really, thank you so thank much. You I'm going to bring someone else. I appreciate you coming on and, and asking your question. Thank, thank you, Rui. Um, so I'm going to get one more on because I'm watching the time um, in terms of where we are. So Olivier, I'd like to bring you on stage to talk about life cycle analysis. I think this is a very important subject. Um, so that that's Rui. And then we've got um, Olivier going to join us. Yeah, life cycle assessment. This is a this is a really, you know, important subject now if we want to replace all these internal combustion engine vehicles with electric vehicles we've got to get everything right right the way through the line so you know i th i think that's that's important um okay quick quickly ask you yeah olivier please are you are you there are you with us you haven't got your camera but don't worry if you come straight on i should be online but i don't know if you see my camera or not. yeah go on far away olivier as, a, as an installer, so we have um, more and more customers working on their uh, sustainability reports and wanting to int integrate the electric mobility within the, the company policy. And of course, uh, they ask for life cycle analysis of the vehicle and the electricity used for charging. But albeit the, the, the wall box is a very small part of it. Nevertheless, if you want to have the full puzzle, you need all the pieces. And uh, the life cycle analysis uh, for each equipment within the charging infrastructure is requested for, to have a global image for the moment. This is not very often provided with equipment. So the question would be, do you plan to deliver it sooner with uh, the, the product line? Yes, that's a good question. I must admit that um, I know that we're working on it, but it's not my area of expertise within the company. So. I'm mostly focused on these uh, yeah, smart charging software features that we that we can bring to existing products over the air as well as to uh, to our new generation of products. But I definitely uh, know that we are working on uh, cradle to grave, I think you call it, and life cycle assessment of uh, of the products. I think for our new products, I don't know if you if you saw the uh, announcements on on LinkedIn, our new Levo product. I think we also use some materials that are better, uh, plastic materials that are better for the environment. So I definitely think we're trying to make an effort to reduce our carbon footprint there. But I'm not sure if we will publish uh, publish a report on that uh, on that soon. I can I can definitely follow up offline with you on uh, on that. Yeah, so it's a good it's a good question. Thank you, Olivier. P appreciate that. Th thanks for joining us. And um, where we. Where are you from? Are you in France? Am I going to guess France, Olivier? Exactly, Paris area, yes. Come on, there you go. There you are. Thank you very much. Okay, look, we'll go back to, I've got a few more questions, so I'm going to jump back to them. Um, so we, we've talked a little bit about this, but, you know, what, what do you think the future is going to hold? What sort of development are, are, are we going to see? We're, we're, we're in this fascinating moment in time where, yes, yeah, some countries like Norway, like the Netherlands, like a few others, are more rapidly adopting electric vehicles. We've got legislation suggesting we'll stop making internal combustion engines, you know, or selling them certainly as soon as 2025, I think is the case in Norway. Is, is that the case in the Netherlands as well? Is it 2025 there as well? Oh, I'm actually not sure about that. I, I... If, if it's not, it's 2030. But my point is this, given that we're now 
rapidly accelerating the adoption of electric vehicles. Over the next five to 10 years, what sort of things uh, are you hoping that we're going to see? Or how quickly can EV Box respond to being able to manufacture enough kit, get out to enough resellers, you know, get it out there into the market? You know, how do you see the dynamics commercially of all this? I mean, I, th I think the biggest challenge is, first of all, just to keep up with the demand. <laughs> because the, the demand is going to increase even further, I think, especially with this uh, announcement of the European Commission uh, that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. No more sales of combustion vehicles by 2035 in the whole of Europe. Uh, indeed, some countries are more ambitious. I think in the UK, they have said 2030 already, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that means we need to keep up. We need to make sure that we can scale up. And we need to make sure that we also scale up in a smart way such that it can be used in the smartest way possible. And we can also, and not only in terms of uh, charging infrastructure, but also the amount of electricity that we use, that we can actually keep up with the, uh, with the demand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I'm very confident that we're going to see, and I'm surprised by this, and I was sort of wrong. I have always felt that we shouldn't see mass adoption of electric vehicles because I think you know, the things that don't get used very much are wasteful, and that would definitely include a car. But perhaps I was wrong, because if you imagine that it's no longer a dumb asset just sat there on the drive doing nothing, if it essentially then becomes an extension of the home or the business or wherever and becomes an asset, a very important asset in terms of energy management, then then maybe it's not such a bad thing to see mass adoption. So, you know, um, I'm prepared to admit I was possibly wrong so there you go, yeah. <laughs> um, but a couple more quick questions, because then I'd like you to do, if you wouldn't mind, a wrap up. Um, <clears throat> so around the world, we've got a different pace of electric vehicle adoption. We've mentioned a couple of the European countries. Obviously, China is extraordinary in terms of its investment in what they call new energy vehicles, of course. But are you seeing around the world any particular technologies or uh, advances that we haven't yet seen perhaps here in Europe that you're hoping will, will come here sooner rather than later? Um, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm hoping that they come here. But, but, but yeah, what you see in Asia a lot, of course, is battery swapping of vehicles. So instead of charging the battery very yes. fast, they swap the battery. I think that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, we know that the company NIO is coming to Europe and they are starting to place some battery swapping stations, I think. So that's definitely an interesting one to keep an eye on. And of course, I hope that yeah, within the next 10 years, we can really start to roll out bi-directional charging, vehicle to home, vehicle to grid at a larger scale, such that we can really benefit and, and sort of unlock the full potential of these batteries on wheels. Mm, absolutely. <clears throat> well, I, I know a little bit about battery swapping and wireless charging, but I don't want to go off on a wild tangent because I'm very good at doing that. And we've only got a few more minutes left. Um, but let me ask you this fundamental question. Then you kind of threaded it through a bit of what you've shared with us already. But given the pace of adoption now of electric vehicles and given how significant and important both energy management is and electric vehicle charging are we going to be able to keep up? You know, you mentioned earlier, it's even now a struggle, but are we going to be able to manage this process carefully, keep everything sequenced? You know, the number of people that are buying electric vehicles, that we've got that charging equipment available, that we're increasingly inputting that smart charging capability into their homes and, of course, to businesses, because, you know, maybe that's something we didn't talk about. Uh, uh, maybe we should you know, smart charging within businesses where you've got a company car park, you've got, you know, charges that the employer provides, you know, managing the energy in that little ecosystem as well as just, just the home. Are you confident we're going to keep up the pace with all of this? Um, what, what's your sense of, of confidence in that regard, Yella? Well, we, we definitely need to make sure that we keep increasing the technology, keep adapting the technology to the changing needs, fast changing needs of consumers. I think only this year we've seen, you know, such a steep increase in electricity prices. We also see more volatility in the market. So the prices are starting to become more dynamic, which means yeah, there's also more cost to save if you charge at a different time of day, for example, at off peak hours. So I, yeah, I, I definitely think there's a lot of work to do, but I think we can do it. I'm, I'm confident. Good. Well, 
Well, I hope so. And a final thought, if we could just maybe conclude on this. There was a report that came out today, I think it was in LinkedIn European News, which was how fast indeed all this was happening, much of what we've been talking about. But what they were saying in that was, what were the opportunities for people to get a job in this new world, in this new industry? And and how could people, um, you know, retrain and redeploy what they do? Is there anything that EV Box are seeing or you're seeing with your team as to where these people are coming from with the skills to do this? Or indeed going out into your customers, the resellers of the equipment that you make? Um, what about that whole arena of of the people to do this, people as resources and the skill set to do that. How do you see that evolving? What, 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 are you, what are you learning at the moment about where to get good people and keep them? Yeah, I think traditionally a charging station was, was not much more than a relay. Just you plug in and you charge your car and that's it. And I think nowadays what we see more is that uh, there's many manufacturers that can do that. And the differentiating factor is really the software that's on the charging station, as well as the software services that run in the cloud and that are connected to the charging station. Uh, users engage more with mobile applications. So definitely we see yeah, more and more software development. And I think we will also see yeah, much more of that in the years to come. And, and that will really be the differentiating factor, I think. Mm. Well, listen, I hope the OEMs can keep up with that because what I think any of us in the industry know is that if there is a weakness, um, it's in software with especially some of the incumbent players, the traditional players, if I can put it like that. I'm definitely not going to name names. Um and if you've got great software in the protocol, in the equipment working around charging um, and further, you know, up, up the stream within the ecosystem that way, that's all well and good. But it's got to be great software on the vehicles themselves. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to exploit all of that capability, are they? So, so yeah, that's that's definitely there. Look, Yella, thank you so much for, for sharing this. I feel we've only kind of scratched the surface. I'm sure people can get in touch with you on LinkedIn. Um and I just like on behalf of all the people that have joined us to thank you for your time and thank you for your generosity in sharing all of that. Um, carry on doing what you're doing. Sounds like you're going to have to speed up and do it faster. So um, when you do get a chance to watch the football, don't forget you've got to get back to work. You know, if it's in the middle of the day, just just remember that. Um, and I do like the way we've we've truly timed this to fit between two important games for our European friends. I think the next one that's coming on is going to be Spain. Um, so we're not going to keep anybody any longer if our friends from Spain are looking to go and watch uh, watch that game. Um, I'm not going to reveal the Germany score because it just wouldn't be right. Um, but uh, Yella, thank you. Thank you very much. I'd like to remind everybody that, yeah, this is something we do every month. We do it typically uh, the last Wednesday of every month. We've been doing it all year covering a whole range and a raft of things around electric vehicles and energy and charging, obviously charging at the core of it. Um, and I'd just like to say I've so enjoyed this, the penultimate edition. We've got one more for 2022 next month, early next month in December. Uh, it won't be quite, we're not going to do it on Christmas Day. Um, but for now, Yella, and for everybody that's joined us from hither and thither all over the world, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you again. And if you've been listening to this on the podcast, where were you? Please come and see us in person next time and come up on stage. So, uh, Yella, thank you. And uh, we'll wave goodbye to our friends if they're watching. Thank you very much, Roger. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers.